Well, happy Sunday, Shoreline City. How's everybody doing today? You guys okay? Good? Kind of good? Not really? What? Well, hopefully after we're done here, you'll be fired up and ready to go and attack this next week. It is Valentine's week, isn't it, right now? So who hates Valentine's? Who hates it? Yep, it's okay. It's okay. It's going to be a great, great time today, though. Those of you who are with us for the first time, really, really glad to have you with us. You need to know that we love you already. Okay, so let's clap again for all of our first-time guests. You need to know you're stuck with us, that we're in your corner, that we're cheering you on, that we are for you, and you might be trying to figure this place out a little bit. I'm just letting you know um, there's no other shoe that's going to drop. We love Jesus, we love people, and we just want to do all we can to make it on earth as it is in heaven. So we're thrilled you're here. We've got a bunch of folks watching with us online as well. Let's give them a huge round of applause, too. Glad that you guys are with us. So we're going to have a fun, fun, fun time uh, today. But I don't know if today's message is as uh, inspirational, per se. Um, it's, it's very, very practical, very, very practical. And, uh, and I'm hoping, though, after we're done here, that it can still be very transformative, that every one of us are pushed forward in our walk with God, and our roots grow a little bit deeper, and we're able to become more of who God is calling us to be. The title of today's message is, It's All Good. It's All Good. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, It's All Good. Say, say it like you got some attitude. Come on now. Come on. Don't be too... It's all good. Uh, I've got a goal for everyone who's a part of our church, okay? I've got a goal. Now, the big goal, the, the big vision statement, if you will, is, you know, to raise up Christ-like leaders who make it on earth as it is in heaven. I am all about that. We do not want to be an attendance church. We want to be a church that raises up leaders, a church that makes disciples. We are trying to send you out into the world to be the hands and feet of Jesus, leaders in the community and the world so we can make it on earth as it is in heaven. That is my mandate. I am not trying to raise up spectators that are all about Earl. I'm trying to raise up leaders that are all about Jesus. And when you do that, I think the world becomes a better place. Uh, so with, with that being said, let me just give you a quick side note that there are not just hundreds, but there are thousands more people that God is calling to be a part of Shoreline City. They're family members of ours that aren't here yet. And I just need us to be growing and increasing our capacity so that when these sons and daughters come home, we can welcome them with open arms. We will not be a church that turns our nose up when lost people come in. We will be a church that celebrates when the lost and the broken and the hurting come home. You're not clapping hard enough for that one. You're not clapping hard enough. I just, I need you to understand that's who we are. That's our flow. That's our DNA. That's our mandate. That is our call. Um, with that being said, with us wanting to raise up leaders who, Christ-like leaders who make it on earth as it is, as it is in heaven, um, I've got this, this other goal in my heart for everyone, and this is not a sexy goal at all, right? You're not going to hear this like, whoa, you're not going to. But it's important nonetheless. Here it is. It's going to tell you what it is. I want everyone to have friends in church. I want everyone to have friends. Hopefully by the time we're done today, you're like, oh, okay, I see why. You are saying that. Go with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. 
We're going to start reading in verses 3 and 4. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. He saw that the light was good. Everybody say good. He saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 10. You skip down just a few more verses. It says, God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was, what's the word? Good. He saw that it was good. He saw that it was pleasant. He saw that it was agreeable. It was it was good. It just like, ah, it, it, it's good. It's like when uh, you've been wanting to get pregnant and you find out that you're pregnant. It's like, ah, this is good. It's when you don't want to go out with that guy, but he asked you out and you said yes, and you wish you hadn't said yes, and then he calls and cancels. It's, ah, it's good. <laughs> over and over and over in chapter 1, of Genesis, we see it's good, it's good, it's good. Everything God's making, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then you get to Genesis chapter 2. And Genesis chapter 2 is, is another picture of the story of creation, okay? It's, it's more detailed. There's more texture to it. Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, same story from, like, different perspectives. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18, we read these words. This is after God had made Adam. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, let me go on this, a quick tangent. It's quick, okay, real quick. Because when I read, I will make a helper suitable for him, some of you feminists just were like, "Mm." can't stand this verse, can't stand this church. I, I knew this was an oppressive place. <laughs> okay. It's not. Okay. It's not. It's not. As a matter of fact, let me tell you this. This word helper here, the, the word that's translated helper, that Hebrew word, actually God uses this word of himself two times in the Bible. So if this is a word of inferiority, why in the world would God use this word to describe himself? It's because it's not a word of inferiority. It's a word of strength and power. God uses this word to describe women saying, hey, I'm going to make a fortress. I'm going to make a pillar. I'm going to make someone that can stand up and be strong. I'm, going, I'm not making a doormat. I'm making a warrior. I'm making someone with a backbone. Do not read helper and interpret barefoot and pregnant. Other people impose that on the scriptures. That's not what God was making in the beginning. He was making a human being, a woman that could stand side by side with a man. And the two of them together could link arms and bring dominion into the earth. This was a power couple. This is Will and Jada before Will and Jada. These are two individuals that God is saying, hey, I, I believe in the man and I believe in the woman. So that's, that's just a quick aside. But I will make, the Lord God said, it is not good. It is not good. It is not pleasant. It is not agreeable. It is not good for the man to be alone. Now, I've heard plenty of preachers say this before, and I really like this, saying uh, Adam wasn't alone. Because God was there. But God still looked at Adam and said, hey, 
Me being in your life is, yes, I am your sufficiency. I am your everything. But in order for you to live your human experience the way I want you to, I need to put someone else in your world who is like you, who will spur you on to be who I've called you to be. And you'll do the same thing for her. It is not good for man to be alone. Not, it's not good for man to be single. Okay? Jesus was single. Okay? Singleness is not a disease. It is not a curse. It, you're like, well, you don't know. You're married. and you, Okay, no, no. It's not a curse. Singleness is actually a gift. We'll get into that another time. It's actually a gift that God gives you. And then whenever you can no longer fulfill the plans and purposes that he has for you alone, he brings in somebody else by your side so you can accomplish the plans and purposes that he has for you as a married couple. It's not even just about you being happy. It's about a power couple coming together to make it on earth as it is in heaven. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for the man to be alone. Look at this verse of scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Uh, we have our, our, our boys. We have, we have three fantastic children, and our, our two oldest are boys. We have a 14-year-old and an 8-year-old, and it's their job to clean the kitchen every night, okay? I wipe their butts for years the least they can do is get in that kitchen. Well, we're trying to train them, right? You know, it's not like some, you know, fairies that show up and clean the house. You know, like you, you got to be a part of the family here. So uh, I don't care if you're not gifted at it. You know, I just need you to go ahead and do it. So, uh, so we've trained our kids, you know, hey, you got to wipe down the counter. You got to put away the dishes. You got to wipe off the table. You got to sweep the floor. Yeah, they do, they do all of this stuff. Um, our, our 14-year-old, he, he's gotten pretty good because he, he understands. Our 8-year-old, when he's engaged, he's good. But most times, and this happened last night, I'm, I'm not even playing with you. This is what I saw. I was on our second floor looking downstairs uh, at the kitchen, and here is what my 8-year-old is doing. He's supposed to be cleaning. So I'm just staring at him. I'm just staring. I've already shouted down multiple times over multiple years. I'm just staring. Eventually, he sees me. Sorry, Daddy. Sorry, Daddy. Goes over and begins to clean up. Parker, our oldest, all the time was like, Dad, come on, Dad. Grace is not helping. Grace is not helping because he knows it goes faster. When there are two people working on the same project with the same pace, with the same energy, it helps that whatever they're doing go further, faster. This is one of the problems that some of you are having in your boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. You are all in. The person is sitting back expecting you to give all the effort and energy while they receive, but they're not giving anything. And when you have two people that are not giving the same amount of effort and energy, it impedes the relationship. It slows down the speed of things. But show me a husband and a wife who are on the same page, that are linked up together heart to heart. Show me a husband and wife that are not giving 50-50, but are giving 100-100. I'll show you a couple that can move mountains. I'll show you someone that can push things forward. There's something about two people or a group of people who are on the same page, going the same direction, 
giving the same energy, it's amazing what they can accomplish. So even, even when you're at your job, let me just encourage you, okay, this is all free. This is all free. When you're at your job, you have somebody on your team, and they're a slacker, okay? Somebody just came to your mind. Hopefully, you're not the one that comes to somebody else's mind. But someone came to your mind. You need, if you want that team to be successful, you cannot avoid that confrontation. You have to be willing to go and talk to the person and say, hey, we're all given 100% here. You're 75. I think you might think it's 100, but it's not. Let's go ahead and click it into another gear, and you'll be surprised at the speed that team is able to move forward. Here, the scripture is saying two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Uh, a quick story here. Um, Jason and Carrie are a couple in this church. They have an awesome daughter named Emery, and a couple of years ago, they visited Shoreline City for the first time, and they are friends with Rachel and Alan Tuttle, who are our worship leaders here, and they've known each other for years and years and years, and Jason and Carrie um, lived in Houston. They came up for a weekend um, just to, you know, hang out, and I remember seeing a picture of them on Instagram or something like that, and I heard, and I saw in that picture, oh, my friend, our friends from Houston came Okay, it was, we're so glad that they were here, and I thought, okay, I don't have to remember them because I'll never see them again. So, you know, I'm trying to remember people's names, so if you're not going to be here, bye. You're dead to me. So I, <laughs> I said, hey, okay, cool, you know, I don't have to remember their name, ha, 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 they're not coming here. Well, little, little did I know that God spoke to them when they were in Houston to quit their fantastic jobs move here to Dallas just so that they can be a part of Shoreline City. I was like, are you sure? And like, yep. They quit their jobs. They move. Don't do that unless God tells you to do that. But they did it. So they get up here. One thing leads to another. They actually even end up being on the staff team here. and We're so, so thankful for that. But I got a call last year. Jason and Carrie were in their car driving up to Oklahoma to pick up their daughter and an 18-wheeler rear-ends them, crushes their truck. We get the call that they're being star-flighted to the hospital. I don't know if they're dead or alive. It, I saw, I've seen pictures of the car. They're terrible. The video is terrible. There's no way they should have walked out of that. But driving to the hospital, praying for them and showing up there, and then in a matter of moments, seeing person after person after person from Shoreline City in that waiting room, in the hospital room. We were only supposed to have three people in the room. Didn't work. 37 people in there. You didn't know who was a doctor, who was a nurse, who, 
People praying, people standing with faith, people trusting God for a miracle, people giving hope in that moment. Whenever you fall down or whenever life hits you like an 18-wheeler and you're not sure if you're going to make it, you want to have some people in your corner that will stand by your side and speak to mountains on your behalf and declare the goodness and the provision and the grace of God. I'm so glad Jason and Carrie were not disconnected during that time. I'm so glad they were not on the fringe at that time so their church family could actually be there for them. This is why it's not even about you. It's about what God can do through you. So whenever you and I are thinking, oh, I don't want to be involved because it's inconvenient for me. It's a selfish way to live your life. It's a small-minded way to live your life. God did not put you on this earth just for you he put you on this earth for his glory his fame his name and you and I say God use my life however you want to use my life however you want to I'm so thankful that both Jason and Carrie made it through that and obviously their daughter and they're they're on the men's it's beautiful to see the miracle that has happened but whenever you fall down you want to have someone there to help you up let me keep on going here also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can anyone keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, listen. Friends, the idea of friends is not something new. Okay? I'm not like, whoa. You're like, whoa, friends. Never heard this. Maybe some of you are like, I've never heard this. But most of us in here, we've heard, we know this to be true. We know we need relationships. And some of you in here, you're more introverted, so you've got like, you know, one friend. And if that one friend gets another friend, you're now intimidated by that other friend, so don't be so controlling. But just a bit more introverted. That's no problem at all. My wife, on the other hand, she's got like lots of friends. When we got married, there were 13 bridesmaids. One, three. Do you know what it's like as a man? To have to find 13 groomsmen to walk 13 bridesmaids down the aisle. I was asking people that I had met twice to be a groomsman. It's like, I think you're going to look good in the tux. There was a homeless man. He and I created a bond. I fed him a couple times. I liked his story. I was like, hey, man, you owe me. And he stood there like a boss. I... My wife just has a bigger world like that. She has lots and lots of friends. But whether you're an introvert or you're an extrovert, it doesn't really matter. All of us recognize relationships matter. Here's the thing. Which direction are your friends running? Okay? Because they are running a certain direction. Let me read this passage of Scripture, Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. I'll put the Scripture on the screen, too, so you can follow along. Uh, Verse number 43. And immediately, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. And you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed. And gave him the kiss. 
Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest slave, slashing off his ear. One thing I want you to see in verse number 47 is that Jesus is rolling with some dudes who are packing. I like this. Just so you know, if you ever decide to act crazy in this church, there's some people in this church that are packing. So this is, you're safe here. (laughs) Trust me, you're safe. They're watching us right now. Jesus asked them, am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there among you teaching every day. But these things are happening to fulfill what the scriptures say about me. Then all the disciples deserted him and ran away. Which direction are your friends running? Because in this story, Jesus is going this way, and the friends are going the opposite direction. So I want you to see yourself in the middle just for a moment today. Hey, you're already at church, so kudos to you. So your heart is at least already turned the direction of Jesus. But I'm not asking about you. I'm asking about your friends. I'm asking about your crew, your people, your squad. I'm asking about your circle. Which direction are they running? Are they running towards Jesus or are they running the opposite direction? I'm not asking are they good or bad people. I'm asking which direction are they running? Now, you get to decide this, okay? It's not rocket science. You know You can figure this out, and I'm not saying here, I'm not saying you can't have friends that aren't running after Jesus. That'd be dumb. We're called to be a light in the world. How are you going to be light to light? You're light in darkness. You and I have to have friendships and relationships with people who are not following Jesus. How in the world are they going to know about Jesus if you and I are not willing to be the light in their life? I am not one of those pastors that says, hey, you better insulate your life from the world. You know, you better only listen to Christian music and only work at a Christian place and only eat Christian food. You know, Chick-fil-A, 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 Chick-fil-A. Number one meal, number six meal. Yes, I want a frosted frozen lemonade. That's all I want. I love Chick-fil-A. We're going today. No, we're not. It's Sunday. So we are. I'm not saying just be around Christian people all the time. You have to understand you are an ambassador of Christ. So that means you represent another kingdom. When you walk into your job, when you walk into your school, when you walk into your family, you are a representative of heaven. So you got to be the light. I'm all for that. But when you have those friends, please Keep them in your life. Keep praying for them. Keep loving them because you'll be the only Bible they may ever read. So you got to keep being in their world. But do you have any other friends that keep you anchored? Any other friends that just keep you anchored? Because if not, there can be a slow drift in your life. Just slow you don't even notice it. It just, it's, it's so gradual, you think it makes sense. You ever been at the beach? And you got your blue blanket, 
in the red tent right here, and you go into the water. And then before you know it, you've been, you've been in the uh, ocean for a while, and before you know it, you're all the way down here. And you go to get out of the water, you're like, who stole my stuff? Your stuff's not stolen, it's just way down there. You drifted, the current brought you all the way down to another place. I'm telling you, every friend group that you have, your job, the community that you're in, it all has a current. It's all pushing you a certain direction. And some of those currents are pushing you to Jesus, and others of them are not. So you got to be anchored. What's an anchor? Look at this. Look at this. Again, not, not rocket science. You know this. An anchor is a device normally made of metal used to connect a boat to the bed of a body of water to present to prevent the craft from drifting, from drifting due to wind or current. Pre- prevent you from drifting. I've seen it too many times. Someone's like, well, you know what? It's just, it's fine. Just me and God have a relationship. That's all I need is just me and God. It's small. Man, I'm really busy. I got a lot of stuff going on right now. You know what? Just the American church and the way things flow, I'm just not really feeling it. It sounds real good. It makes a whole lot of sense. But if you're not anchored to the right people, stuff that's dumb starts to make a lot of sense. And you just got to have some people in your life going, um, no, get back over here. I love you too much. That's stupid. Come back over here. Do you have anybody in your life that can say, that's stupid? If you don't, you need somebody like that in your life. You don't like that one? I'm telling you, I've got people in my life that go, Earl, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Don't do it. Don't do it. Here's a, I read, here's a quote from Screw Tape Letters. If you ever want a fascinating book to read by C.S. Lewis, this is a great book. It's two demons writing to each other, and the enemy is God. So these two demons are writing to each other, and the one demon says, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. That's the safest road. It's not abrupt. It's not quick. It's just slow. I was connecting with, I saw somebody uh, the other day, and they were talking to me about how they do church. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like coming to y'all church. I like coming to your church. But I go to this other church, too. I like coming to your church. And I'm like, um, no, man. You need to get planted somewhere. You don't have any accountability in your life. You have any, do you have anyone When you go from place to place to place to place, you're connecting yourself in in relationships with people, and then you're uprooting yourself, and don't you understand your roots are connected to other people as well, and you have an impact on them. There's a pull that takes place there. We're not trying to be church hoppers. We want to be planted in a life-giving church so that what I have can help somebody else and what they have can help me because it's all about us growing and becoming who God is calling us to be. I learned this uh, this past week, that a goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. Nine seconds. 
And there was a Time Magazine article uh, that said Microsoft Corporation did a study finding that the human's uh, attention span is now eight seconds. Lost you. And this can happen in our relationships. We're seeing this in marriages a lot of times. Oh, I'm not feeling that anymore. So I got to go over here. We're seeing it in dating. I'm not feeling that anymore. We're seeing it in jobs. I'm not feeling that anymore. We're seeing it in churches. I'm not feeling that anymore. And we're just kind of going from thing to, because we can scroll from thing to thing to thing. And there's just something to be said about being anchored to a God and anchored to a people that will help spur you on to become all that God has called you to be. Okay, if Jesus needed friends, so do you. This is not rocket science. Is anyone who's listening to me today better than Jesus? Okay, good job, good job. I was hoping nobody would raise their hand. I was like, man, God, if somebody raises their hand on that, I don't know what's going to happen. Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 34. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Here is our Savior. Moments before, he's about to take the sin, shame, guilt, condemnation, brokenness of the world upon himself. He's taking your sin and my sin. He's taking your shame and my shame. He's taking your shortcomings and my shortcomings. And all of that is about to be poured out on him. The wrath of God that was going to come our direction is about to go Jesus' direction. He's going to take the hit for us. He is stepping in in front of the bullet. He is taking all of this sin and shame upon himself. He has seen everything that you've thought, everything that you've done, everything that you're going to do. And he says, I'm taking it upon me. And in this moment of tremendous agony, he asked three people to come and to be by him. If Jesus needed friends, you and I don't get to graduate from this. It's a part of your spiritual development. And if God alone was all enough, God would not have said to Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. Today is actually Connect Group Launch Sunday. That's what today is. That's what today is. What, what are Connect Groups? These are just small, really the, like little family gatherings. Folks in the church who are like, hey, uh, let's get together. Let's connect on another level. This is where we don't just sit shoulder to shoulder, but we sit face to face. Shoulder to shoulder, there, there is merit for that. But face to face, man, I'm telling you, it's amazing what God can do in your heart and your life when you're sitting face to face. I want everyone in our church to have friends in church. The mechanism we do that definitely serves teams, but without a doubt, connect groups. And I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to be like, yes, I'm going to be in a connect group. 
Some meet every month. Others meet every week. Some groups are like really like Bible-based. Other groups are like more activity-based. But all of them are about helping us to get in relationships and point people to Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to take that step. As a matter of fact, I think I probably have a number, at least a few Connect Group leaders in here right now. If you're a Connect Group leader, would you mind standing up for me for just a quick second? In the back, on the balcony, on the floor, individuals just say, thank you so much, uh, Connect Group leaders. You guys can be seated. So many of them were kind enough to give up their seats so that all of us could have seats uh, as well. I want to make sure you understand I'm smoking what I'm selling. Okay? I'm in a group. I'm in a group. I do this because I recognize, yeah, I'm a pastor. But more importantly, I'm a son of God. Like you're a son or a daughter of God. I need people in my life to help me become who, I'm call- who God is calling me to be. I want you to take the step. How do you sign up for a group? It is so ridiculously easy. Show up. That's it. Okay, uh, how much Bible do I need to know? Zero. Okay, okay. Uh, do I have to be a member of the church? Nope. What if I didn't do growth track yet? You can still come. What if I'm single? That's not a problem. What if I'm married? That's not a problem either. What if I'm older? What if I'm younger? There's all these different rules that people have in their brains why they can't get connected. And I'm just telling you, I want you to take the step. You can literally go online. You can download our app. You can look up all the groups. You can search by zip code. You can search by the type of group that it is. And I want you to be in community. I have heard story after story about connect group leaders growing in their leadership. But I've also heard about people who never thought they could even be a part of a connect group going to a connect group. And now they're leading a connect group themselves. You're going to be shocked at what God is going to pull out of you and what he's going to do on the inside of you. Last verse, I'm all done here. Last verse. John chapter 10, verse number 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's Jesus speaking. The way the thief primarily brings that that stealing, that killing, and destroying is really primarily, I think, through relationships. And how does Jesus bring his life? Yes, of cross, the cross, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But without a doubt, it's relationships as well. And God is asking us as a family, will you be willing to move beyond your comfort zone? I know you've been hurt. I know your schedule's crazy. I know you've got a lot of thoughts in your brain about what this thing is going to look like, but are you willing to go? And if you do, and everyone in that group is crazy, go to a different group. (laughs) It's fine. No problem at all. And if you go from group to group to group and you find out, oh my goodness, none of these groups are for me, then I want you to go to Growth Track, get on the serving team. Three months later, we'll train you on how to lead a connect group yourself so that you can fill the hole that you see in our church. That's what I would want you to do. This is not reason for you to leave and go another place. It's it's God saying, hey, this is your spot to fill. Be a part of the family. If you wouldn't mind, bow your heads just for a moment. I pray blessings over every single person that's under the sound of my voice. 
But if you're here today, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him number one. You've never made him first in your life. If you're honest with yourself, you would say you're in the driver's seat of your life. Christ is not. But you're here today. You're saying you don't want to go your own way anymore. You want to go his way. Maybe there was a time you were following Jesus. There was a time he was first. There was a time you got on the path and the journey of following Christ, but you since gone a whole nother direction and you are here today and you're saying I don't want to go my own way anymore I want to go his way I'm going to ask you to do something simple but something incredibly bold on the count of three I want you to raise your hand and say yes that is me I want to give my heart and I want to give my life to Jesus Christ ready one two three just shoot your hand in the air you're saying yes that's me I want to give my heart I want to give my life I want to make him number one in my my life I, I don't want to go my own way anymore I want to go his way I want to get on the path of following Jesus it's beautiful seeing the hands that are being raised right now. It's a moment of transformation and a new start. I'm going to ask everyone in this place, I'm going to sound my voice, put your hand over your heart if you wouldn't mind. And I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's lift our heads up and clap our hands with enthusiasm.